This is a podcast from the Royal Court Theatre. The following content may contain strong language. Welcome to the second series of the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast with me, Simon Stevens. The play that lives with me most this year as I talk in August 2017 is Alice Birch's remarkable Anatomy of a Suicide. Produced in the late spring here at the Royal Court Theatre downstairs and directed with exquisite detail and elegance by Katie Mitchell in its humane and fearless study of despair and love, it feels like a thrilling continuation and extension of Alice Birch's first seven years in playwriting. Raised in the Birchwood Hall commune in the Malvern Hills, Alice's parents gave her and her sister the name Birch in honour of the celebrated mansion community home. She first came to my attention in 2010. I was working with David Eldridge on A Thousand Stars Explode in the Sky and he was raving about the most brilliant debut play he'd read in some time, a play called Little Light by a writer fresh out of university, Alice Birch. I met Alice at A Thousand Stars, she sent me Little Light and David was right. It was a play of extraordinary poison wit, of real anger and strangeness. Her eye for alarming stage direction was matched only by the taut poise of her dialogue. That play remained unproduced for five years, but she made her professional debut the following year with the similarly arresting Many Moons at the Theatre 503. In the following years, she wrote Astronaut in collaboration with the much-vaunted Islington Community Theatre, wrote Little on the Inside for Clean Break, and adapted Malcolm Savile's Lone Pine Club for Pentabus Theatre. But it was the electric revolt, she said, revolt again, written for the Royal Shakespeare Company that saw her work reach outside of the studio theatres of London. A play that sparkled with savage wit and formal explosion and culminated in one of the most viscerally anarchic scenes I've seen at the theatre upstairs when it visited here in 2015. It marked the arrival on the national stage of a writer of real confidence. Her collaboration with Rash Dash We Want You To Watch was produced at the temporary space at the National Theatre and in 2015 she made the first of three shows with what she's described as her hero and mentor Katie Mitchell, the poised, searing consideration of the sexual politics and isolation at the heart of Hamlet, Ophelia Zimmer, was co-produced by Berlin Schauburner and the Royal Court. Alice's adaptation of Alfreda Jelinek's Shadow, Eurydice Speaks, was produced last year at the Schauburner and then in the spring... Anatomy of a Suicide. Her work has been produced widely throughout Europe and recently at the urgent and super cool Soho Rep in New York. She's a writer of exquisite poetry and unerring savagery. She returns again and again to excavate the violence of patriarchy in its many forms. She's also a writer of wit and humanity and formal exploration and it is a real pleasure to welcome her here. Alice Birch, welcome to the Royal Court. Thanks very much. <laughs> How does anyone speak after that? That's, um, well, it's awesome. very easy when, because I don't have to lie. I only speak to people I love. So, so I only speak Thanks. to writers I love. Thank so, uh, so it's really, really <laughs> lovely to speak to you. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm fascinated because I, I do do some research for these things mm-hmm. and I was fascinated by... Uh, Birchwood House, which mm-hmm. you have spoken about, so it's not yeah. a violation of privacy, I hope. But no. what, what was, tell me about that place? What was that place like? It was. I mean, we left. We we actually left when I was about five. So oh. my memories of it, living there, are sort of, you know, they're they're a bit kind of dreamy. They're a bit sort of in that in that space. Yeah. Um, but we go back a lot and it i mean it's it's an amazing thing it's a really good idea for people who like, don't know what the idea is what is it it's, i mean it's communal living so it's this beautiful house in the middle of nowhere in Morven hills um and it's it's gosh i don't know how many people are living there now probably about 15 mm-hmm. you know, families wow. kids um people you know like from all kinds of um, you know walks of life live there um i mean it's very sort of focused on eco stuff and mm-hmm. huge vegetable garden and um, orchards and it's just I mean it just is 
how it sounds. I think it was much more complicated for my parents living there. We right. were the only kids. Yeah. Um, but for my sister and I, I think we just have great memories. Just being outside like all the time, like, yeah. you know. Well, in the hills there, in the Malvern mm-hmm. Hills. Yeah, yeah. And it's true about your name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true fact. Yeah, most interesting thing. Yeah, it's a really lovely thing. It's a really lovely thing, and now yeah. my son has has that name as well. So there's just three. It sort of feels like it comes from a really uncomplicated place. Yeah, the name, like it's it's um, yeah, it's very. Oh, that's special. really nice. Yeah. Uh, where did you go to after you left Birchwood House when you were five? Where did you move to? We stayed in Malvern right. for a couple of years, and then my parents se- uh, separated. And my dad moved to Germany. Right. And my mum um, remarried and moved to Banbury, which is a town near Oxford. Okay. It's kind of bang in the middle. It's, it's just commuterville. It's sort of bang in the middle of Birmingham and London. Right, okay. It is sort of, I don't know, I mean, sorry. But it is this place, really. So it, it feels like nowhere. It feels like... It, I always felt... I always envied and still envy writers who come from proper places Manchester Stockport you know or it's a place there's in Ireland but, but, but there's something to like rally against or yeah. something like it just felt like nothing, I can't really describe it to you it's a market town it's sort of yeah. but, but but it's it, the day after Brexit BBC News set up their red sofa in Banbury because I think it was I think it had the, the statistic the 5248 or something was in Banbury or it feels wow. like it feels like Brexit though Although I, always, I think writers, I always think if you come from too cool a place as a writer, yeah. you would never do any writing because there's too much cool maybe. shit to do. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. so the advantage of being born in a, uh, or raised yeah. in a boring place yeah, maybe. is you'd need to imagine yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah. Think, <laughs> yeah, no, that's it. nice. That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah. it was, I was bored. I was really bored. But that's good. Boredom's good, yeah? yeah? of course. Bored, yeah. Really good. I, um, what was the first time, the question I normally ask people, the first question is when was the first time you ever went to the theatre? I mean, at Panto, yeah, my parents took, used to take us to, we had some friends who lived in Leeds and we used to go to West Yorkshire Playhouse and see right. the Panto there and I, just, I remember seeing the Snow Queen and just, it like blew my blew my mind, blew my tiny. How old you, can you remember? I think like it was about seven six, or eight, six, six or seven, seven yeah. yeah. I just thought it was the best thing ever. It was so... <laughs> Yeah, so I was properly scared, you know, like screaming. But then, and then your parents are like, "Oh, should we take her out?" And you're like, "Don't fucking take me out. This is amazing." <laughs> um, yeah, and then, and then, I remember seeing Midsummer Night's Dream at the Lancaster Open Air Theatre, and I think it was the funniest thing in the world when I was mm. about seven. My mum was really good at taking us to the theatre. There wasn't a theatre in Bunbury, but yeah, she would take. She that's great. She took us, yeah. She, yeah. What kind of um, other cultural uh, uh, influences were kind of surrounding you when you were a kid or when you were growing up to teenager? Wow. Do you remember who you were reading or what music you were listening to or what films you were watching? Or yeah, I mean, yeah, I read like that. I read all the time, constantly. Right. It was. Um, I remember. So whenever we were going on holiday, I. W- would pack my suitcase and only put books and a swimming costume in. <laughs> that was it. And then my mum would have to come and repack it. <laughs> uh, and my brother only put teddy bears in his. Just far sweeter. But um, yeah, so oh God, well, I've read anything, everything. Mm. I've read Wuthering Heights when I was about 11. That was amazing. Wow. Like, read, you know, sort of lots of Thomas Hardy, lots of poetry without sort of meaning to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think my cultural influences are really, like, they're really legible. I love Plath, Anne Sexton, Virginia yeah. Woolf. Like, I just, yeah, reds. But I don't, I um, music, God, I don't know. I mean, my parents, again, sort of just played a lot of The Doors and mm. Joni Mitchell, Tracy Chapman. Mm. Like, sort of, not, not anything that's a huge surprise. It was just... Yeah. So voracious reading, I think, is yeah. indicative of small town childhood. Yeah, yeah. Because you just got to get out somehow. Yeah, definitely. And you're not, you know, probably not going to run away from home. No, hopefully I, not going to run away. No, from home. I never tried that. I think I thought about it once and then thought, yeah. no, it's a lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So literature becomes a way of running away from home. Yeah, definitely, I mean. definitely. I think that's totally it. I think you sort of have all the lives you want to have in those books. It's, were you an early writer as well? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I, I talked about this. I wrote a panto when I was about seven. Come made, on. made my friends do it. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> what was the panto? A, what, it was Cinderella. Yeah. And it started. <laughs> I'm really proud of it. I think it was. Uh, you still it, got it? Yeah. There was it's like huge font, <laughs> Comic Sans sort of size eighteen. Have you seen something. the font I read my scripts from? Is that, really? that, that's like that. The, you know you start on that font, eventually yeah. you get back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like, like Red Riding Hood came out, and then the king came out and was like, "You're in the wrong play." Very, very good. That's pretty good. It was a rap to I said um, Fred's "I'm Too Sexy." <laughs> I meant that the Wicked Witch did. <laughs> Some of my finest work. Was but yeah, made made my friends rehearse it and do it. And what went wrong after that? I know. <laughs> I know. It was really. And she, I'd sort of forgotten this, but she, Cinderella, uh, didn't choose a guy at the end. She gets there's like a selection of Prince Charmings. Great. And she goes no. You're all a bit boring. So, I mean, it's all there. Fantastic. It's, it's all, all there. there. It's all my raps. We showed it to Rush Dash because yeah, they, they might. They did it. Yeah, they should do it. Man. Yeah, it's very good. That's, yeah. uh, and um, so it's so from quite early. It's not yeah. just because you talk about uh, accidentally coming across poetry. Yeah. But the more obvious thing would be you'd be writing poetry, but you're writing plays. You're writing for performance. Yeah. Yeah. And not performing it. We performing yourself in in that production. I did that, give myself a little part. Did yeah. You? But just uh, you know, it was background. It was um, yeah. I I didn't. I didn't then keep writing plays. Yeah. I, did, I wrote like stories, you know, yeah, short yeah, stories, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I'm sure I tried to write bad poetry and stuff. But I didn't. Um, I didn't write another play until I was, I don't know, maybe sixteen or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. How were you at school? What kind of student were you? I mean, I, I was really, really academic, really good, right. really took it all really seriously. Um, yeah. And really. I, I mean, I, was, I loved English literature, and I worked really hard. did Did my homework really? Well. I wasn't. I wasn't Great. naughty. I was really. Great. I think I did my rebelling at home, but it was. Right. Yeah, I was really. I was desperate to go to Cambridge. Oh, Absolutely did you? desperate. Did you? No, no, no. She says, no, everyone should be shocked." No. Oh. I applied and um, went to the interview, and I came, You know, I went to a big state school where no one, no one went to Oxbridge, and. Um, uh, and I applied to this college who have had subsequent conversations with people where people have been like, why did you apply there? If they right. take someone from that school, someone from that school, and someone from that school. Yeah, because, like, you because you you, if you go to the system. kind of school we went to, you yeah. don't know that. No, no Not one tells everybody. you that. I, was <laughs> yeah. like, I looked in the you know, in the yeah. fancy catalogue and was like, that one looks really nice. Was, that I one looks like Harry Potter. I did, did the same with Oxford and absolutely yeah. applied to the wrong college because yeah. it looked like Harry Potter yeah. before Harry Potter was invented. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And failed the interview. <laughs> Yeah, same. Yeah. And it was still, I mean, the interview was still one of the most exciting conversations I remember, like, you know, academic conversations about literature. He sort of asked me about what I thought the limits of the imagination were. I was like, fucking, that's great. Um, and then I didn't get in. I was heartbroken. What did you say? I don't remember. I don't remember. I've got to finish the interview by asking you what the limits of the imagination yeah, are. Yeah, that's a good question. All right, let's both think about that. <laughs> you answer it as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I had a, had a gap, yeah, and then went to Exeter. I applied again. I had another crack. Didn't get in again. So you know you'll go back one day, they'll give you an honorary degree. They won't. They'll give you an honorary doctorate. Because I, I, the burden of get, not getting into Oxford scarred me for like quite yeah. a long time. yeah. I had yeah. a great time at York University, which yeah. is a much better university for me. Mm-hmm. It was the right place for me to go to. Mm-hmm. But I remember going back, I did an event at Oxford University in the exam hall, and the kind of 600 students, and me and Michael Billington and Vanessa Redgraves, oh and uh, Ray Fines. And I remember just, <laughs> just like getting the biggest laughs. And getting the kind of really making like really it was really on point. Good. I really stepped up, Good. and I thought, "Fuck yeah, you, fuck Oxford you. University." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good. Okay, so you'll, you'll have that moment. Um, you'll have that you moment. But, so, what was Exeter like? Which is a much more fecund place for you know David the came theater. from. Yeah, know, loads. Of, yeah, David. Loads of David really good came people. from yeah. Exeter, um, and there were loads of people around. You know, Vanessa Kirby, brilliant mm. actress. She was that. She was in my year, right? Um, and. 
uh, Joe Murphy, who's directed. Great, he was yeah. there at the same time. Jude yeah. Christian, that's where brilliant. I first met. You know, oh, brilliant. brilliant dude. So, yeah, it was it was great, but that but that kind of the the academic side was for me was like totally lacking. I went I right. went to my tutors in the first year and said, please can I have some extra work. So like <laughs> I was a barrel of laughs. So it, um, <laughs> so that was like yeah. I mean that was a real disappointment. That was sort of that was that was. I think you're right. That kind of like feeling a bit scarred by it all yeah. still. It's just sort of feeling the. I mean, it's, maybe it's totally, totally right that I didn't go to Cambridge and I wasn't, you know, wasn't smart enough or wouldn't have thrived there. Or, but you sort of, because you didn't know the system. That's yeah. like that's the thing. That sort of is the thing that you're feels you feel the injustice of a bit. But, exactly. Yeah. But no, I mean, like I had I had a great I had a great time at Exeter. Yeah. You know, the the, the theatre side was was really brilliant. You started writing plays again. You said in like the end of year eleven, and you start your sixth form. You're writing yeah. at Exeter as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wrote I wrote Little Light when I was at Exeter. Right. I, sort of or the or a sort of early version of it. Mm. Um, and then my tutor said that he knew he knew David Eldridge and he would put us in touch. And David was was so kind and yeah. sort of t- took me for lunch and was like if you're serious about this then you just need like you just need to write there's nothing else that anyone could do for you if you write yeah. a play if you send it to me by christmas i will read it and if it's good i will help you and so i sent him i sent him little light and i th- you know by post yeah. and he read it over christmas and was very helpful yeah. really sweet yeah the um your uh did you did you uh, get involved in theatre at Exeter and other forms apart from writing? Were you directing or yeah, acting? Yeah, or yeah, Did yeah. Yeah, I was just an assistant producer on The Miracle Worker. Did a terrible job. Why? Because I think I, so like I had to find props or something and I just didn't I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, no, really, really bad. And then I directed, oh my God, it was like a five-hour morning becomes a lecturer. Starring Vanessa Kirby, very good. Hell, yeah, that sounds good. great. I mean, it was terrible. It was really bad. If but, you um, did that again now, that would totally get on like the <laughs> National Theatre. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. It was quest- there was some really interesting directing going. Yeah. I was terrified. I totally. I mean, I I really blagged my way into that into getting that. I mean, spoke very convincingly about. I lied. I said I'd seen the Helen Mirren one, and that I'd just copy that. I think, and then they, <laughs> and then panic. Yeah. Wow. Mm. The, uh, um, it's interesting, though. Your O'Neill as well. Yeah. Because because yeah. he's consciously or unconsciously, it's like you share some concerns. And, uh-huh. some, and those early plays yeah. feel like the kind of like O'Neill-esque kind of sticking your finger in the wound of a family yeah. and going, oh, nice. <laughs> you know. Yeah, definitely. I think, mm. I mean, my, my mum and stepfather are both psychotherapists and there's something about, I mean, like, particularly Morning Becomes a Lecturer is like, you know, Freud does Greeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he, I, I loved and still love his work. It was... So you had you had your uh, you sent your play to David yeah uh, and then he read it and met with you after Christmas he did yeah and he sent it to various other people for me yeah so yeah. you graduated from Exeter what year from I don't know like two thousand nine or something nine yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, and we met in two thousand and ten yeah did you like what were you how were you kind of like paying the rent where were you living what what, what did you do where did you move to did you come I, to the big city I came to the big city come on yeah of course <laughs> I did where yeah. about were you I, did, I, so I stayed I was a lodger with a family in Camberwell right and then I and then I moved and then I like lived for about a month in Clapham and hated it mm. and then lived with my sister for a bit in Stoke Newington and then I moved a lot and then I was in um, near Poplar for a long time right. with Jude doing like property guardianing yeah which which you down in the Robin Hood housing yeah. estate yeah, yeah. We, I remember talking to you about yeah. this yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. to remember that we're on a podcast not having a chat <laughs> it's an amazing kind of housing estate it's an estate. incredible housing yeah. estate it's yeah. really really amazing yeah. it was um, and it was brilliant it was super super cheap and you could do what you wanted to the I mean, the roof leaked like crazy, and yeah. it was, you know, really cold and yeah. a bit shit. And yeah. any time, you know, 
your parents or a friend came around they were a bit but um it was it was it was awesome it was great it was really good and that being there so before that I was working in pubs and I was a waitress yeah I always had you know you always had like two or three jobs I was a nanny for a while Mm. and then um and then when we moved in there I I could drop quite a lot of that and 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 have much more time to write so yeah it was um it was brilliant and and by that by the time you left Exeter, by the time you mm. you come to London, it was playwriting that you'd landed on. You weren't yeah. writing in any other forms. No, so right. I did um, I did work experience here when I was sixteen. And was I and were you in the Young Writers Program yeah, I when I was there? Well, I wasn't in the Young. I was working in the mm. site, and you were there. Right. Because again, I'm sure I've talked about this, but they um, they so I really really hassled my way in. Um, <laughs> They didn't. They didn't take work experience candidate people from who didn't live outside the borough. Right. Like policy. And this I, is Ola Anamashuan. Yeah, Emily. Emily McLaughlin, Nina yeah, Linden. Nina, yeah. yeah. And I, I wrote to them, and they sent me like a, a letter that basically said no, but thanks, and we'll keep your letter on file. And mm. then I just called them, and was like, please. <laughs> <laughs> All my friends are doing work experience at Sainsbury's. Please, can I come? <laughs> I think about it, and then, and then, and then, um, <laughs> then on the phone. I mean, lovely, lovely Emily McLaughlin was yeah. like, all, "All right then." <laughs> <laughs> so I came and did that for a week, and it was the most exciting week. I'd never been to the Royal Court before. It was my mum's idea. Brilliant mum, and um, <laughs> came here, and I. They were so generous. I got to come to a script meeting. And I had read these unsolicited plays, and there was a scene in the middle of one of these plays. It was really well written, um, and it had a scene where a guy has sex with a corpse. And I was like, "Well, this would—you could never stage this. This is really shocking. This is awful. Like you wouldn't. This—it's just unstageable. So therefore, we can't do it." And they just sat me in the corner with a stack of plays. They were like, "Here's, here's blasted, here's herons." <laughs> like what else did I like um read some Beckett. Oh, it was just so generous. It was great. such a kind response. What a good work experience. Not like shut up, you annoying sixteen year old jumped off. Like Emily yeah. McLaughlin, one of the great unspoken I mean, here unchampioned heroes of British. She's theater. a total, total hero. Yeah, she's a really They great. were so kind, they took me so seriously. Yeah. And um and then after that, that was it. I'm sorry, right? That's and that was doing. before university. That was yeah. Bef- yeah. So I did. I did the young writers program on my gap year. I was working in a school. I was a teaching assistant, right. saving some money. Yeah. And um and I and I did young writers program, introduction group with Leo. Was Le- first year. Oh, yeah. Another really, it's great. One of the great things about doing these podcasts is talking about, to several yeah. playwrights, and there are some names that recur. Yeah as great champions yeah. and Emily McLaughlin's one and Leo yeah. but there's definitely another yeah what was the impact of Leo on your writing your I mean I can't yeah I can't even begin to he, he again just so generous so he was so thoughtful and you know we just we just did a lot of talking in those in those groups we just and he just would sort of nudge us gently to these places or ideas or yeah. and and then just give us really sort of useful tools as well yeah. really sort of he was and he read up everything so properly and he never you'd have a conversation with Leo about 10 pages of your play and he wouldn't say much he would never ever put his you know you never felt like you got his opinion or his he just he would just provoke something just allowed so much space um yeah so kind mm. and then I did the I did the next group in my first year of uni, so I was coming. I spent my student loan coming to London. Yeah. On the train. Do you met with a, who are your peers in those groups? Ellen, Eleanor Cook. Great. Um, yeah. And Polly Stenham was 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 um, yeah was yeah. on the groups, which again was extraordinary to watch. You know what happened to her and that, and that face. I mean, it was. I think all of us felt like. Okay, well, that's how it works then, and that'll be us. And, and then, and then you sort of wait five years, six yeah. years, and you're, yeah, it's different, and it's good. It's good, and it's good that it's different. I think she, how she managed it, was incredible. In what way? 
because I, I'm really proud of those early plays that I wrote. Yeah. But I made mistakes and I learnt things, and they happened, you know, in in smaller smaller places where the ticket price is lower and the yeah. journey to get there is like a much you know you go to 503 and it's you've got you've <laughs> that it's shocking you've got to get a tube and a bus and a train or something yeah. and it's um you so, come to the royal court and you turn out of the tube and it's here and yeah. it's it's the writer's theater and it's so exposing and she was written about in you know so loudly it was yeah. so, like sometimes the noise around the play is so much louder than the play itself and that can be really overwhelming and I think the fact that she was able to write like you know several really robust brilliant plays that still her voice after yeah. that is just it's amazing I, I could not could agree. not have done that I completely agree I wouldn't have it wouldn't I don't think I'd be writing it wouldn't the um yeah and I, I love the idea that for a place like the 503 or somewhere I guess like the Arcola mm. if people are going there they've mm-hmm. really committed yeah. to going there yeah yeah the orange tree as well yeah. isn't oh, if you're God, unless yeah. you're in in the west of London if you're going yes. there yeah you're committed absolutely so you're going to lean into it yeah definitely whereas if you're just kicking around the rural court or, yeah. or if you like that face goes into the west end yeah my god you know that's yeah, yeah. And there's a, and I was thinking about uh, the response to Polly. I think sometimes other uh, young female writers as well. Mm. Uh, there's a patriarchy at play in the exaggerated response to some of those plays, for sure. Which I think is really gendered and really unhealthy. Definitely. So yeah. you're not given in the way that something like DC Moore is given. You're mm-hmm. not given the right to. Yeah, you know, write quietly for a bit. And yeah, just get definitely. the craft right. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you were given that. I mean, not definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I absolutely was, and it didn't feel. I don't think it felt like that at the time. But, but what did it feel like at the time? I was just. I'm just really impatient. I think as a person, generally, I sort of like wanted to get there, wherever there was, or I wanted. I mean, but it was in a. You know, Many Moons was published. That was a huge deal. Yeah, like that was, was 2011. Many Moons. Yeah. When did you write that? After. So you so you wrote Little Light at University, yeah. which was the first one that I read. Yeah. And then Many Moons you wrote. L- I wrote yeah in that sort of summer. Yeah. I wrote it really quickly. I wrote it. It's a monologic play. Nice Is that word. a good adjective? That's a good word, it might yeah. be a good one. Might not be right. Might be made That's up okay. word. Can be right now. <laughs> it is a word. Um, a, yeah. Yes, it is. I wrote that play because I hated my jobs. I was really <laughs> poor. My parents were really bored of hearing me moan about it. Like, but and I was. It was that play. I have a really complicated relationship with. I'm very proud of it. But it it's the only play I've consciously written because I was like, I need to get something on. Like, yeah. I'm not. I'm not learning anything at the yeah. moment. Like by have by doing short plays and like I've, I've sort of felt like I need to have a full length play on. Um, and need to go through the process of it being rehearsed and working with the director and reviews and like because that's because the play is never complete is it until it's yeah. on so I and little like I'd had lots of cups of tea on but lots of people have said well, it's you know it's it's um it's it's too like the wall gets knocked down at the yeah. end so yeah. that requires some money or some creative yeah. thinking mm-hmm. and um it uh so I was like well I'll write for people speaking and doesn't yeah that's quite wily yeah I know yeah it is and yeah, I think it's that's good what, I mean I quite like that but I don't think I do I think there's a bit of me that is like that sometimes yeah and, and I'm not um, well the bit of you that insistently rings the royal court when yeah, they say no yeah I know and I don't think that's of myself great. like that though anymore I think that <laughs> that's something that you have when you're I don't know I consider myself incredibly lucky that I knew what I wanted to do and I was like that's that's where you do it, and I'm I'm gonna get there, and I was quite, yeah, sure about that. I think, I re- when Vicky did her brilliant open court offer yeah. here, yeah. and she invited all those writers into the into the downstairs bar and said, "What do you want? Like, what do you guys want to do?" And I was sat at a table with Martin Crimp and Nick Payne, and I was really fucking hungover, <laughs> and I was like, I just said, "Do my play." <laughs> and I sort of shouted that out. I'd never had a conversation with Vicky. I'd never, and I the idea of doing that now scares the shit. I'd never do that now. What an awful thing to do! What an awful <laughs> like because because you you know now 
because I was young and I felt like I had a right to, you know, yeah. and I felt like I was ready and I was like, mm. come on. Yeah. You know, fuck, and I would never do that now. You cut, and, and uh, we'll come back to this later, but one of the other things you did around the same time was get in touch with Katie Mitchell. Yeah, do you that... put you put us in touch. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> because I because in yeah another of my I like email Jim was like I want to meet Katie. Please, can you introduce yeah. us? Yeah, I mean I know what I'll do today. I'll bother important busy playwright Simon Stevens and say. What was it about Katie that, that I had seen more of her work than any other director? Yeah, and it did things to me and provoked responses in me that mm-hmm. I don't. You know, don't think I knew you could have at the theatre, and um, I just thought and think that she is an artist, and I, I was just fascinated by yeah. her. It's like, what's that? What's that like to work in a Katie Mitchell process? So, I, yeah, and she, she met, met me for lunch and talked to me about her process. Yeah, it was really straightforward. That was the, that was what was going on. There was no other. There was no kind of undercurrent of we could work together. Right. It was just you have asked to hear about my process. I'm going to tell you about my process. <laughs> I can so clearly imagine. I can visualise that lunch really clearly. <laughs> I didn't say any words. She's no, but that's the funny thing about Katie. She's a remarkably generous person. She's so generous. With yeah, yeah. even if sometimes she might yes, not you, seem so. For sure, she meets a lot of young artists she and does. a lot of young female artists, especially, but not exclusively. No, not at all. Um, yeah. Her, yeah. Her rehearsal room is is often open to. Yeah. Yeah. We had lo- we had loads of, you know, young female directors watching yeah. Anatomy of a Suicide rehearsals. Yeah. Many moons went yeah, on five oh three. It did, yeah. What did you learn from it? Oh, um. Because you said you wanted you went into it. Question. Yeah. The starting point. Yeah. Was as much I want to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yeah. it was I want to articulate. Yeah. So what did you learn? What from did it? I learn? That's a really good question. Um, that, you know, it sort of affirmed that this was the right thing that for me to be doing. Mm. It was terrifying. I get, I tend, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly anxious watching my own work. I can't, I can't do it, you know. I got scarlet fever when Many Moons was on. Um, <laughs> uh, and what's, but I think I, I sort of felt... I have often felt when a play of mine is on quite quickly not interested in it anymore and like I need to be on to the next thing like I've said it I've said mm. the thing I wanted to say mm-hmm. and um and and I've said it quite loudly because plays feel quite loud by yeah. their nature and um and uh, now I want to say the next thing the uh, so the process of articulation for you is the process of writing as much as the process yeah. of performance yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 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 you're but um you have had a kind of series of really interesting collaborations uh-huh. for somebody who, when when hearing you talk about reading and the privacy of reading, talk about reading poets, yeah. it might lead one to imagine a writer who's very insular. Yeah. But actually, I'm particularly interested in your uh, collaboration with the Islington Community Theatre, mm-hmm. who do such extraordinary work, uh, yeah. and with Rash Dash. Mm-hmm. Tell me about first of all about Islington Community Theatre, Astronauts was it? Astronauts, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd met Ned, brilliant, brilliant Ned Glazier, um, mm. a couple of times, mm. and had done a short piece for him, again written in collaboration with them, because it always is. Yeah. Um, what does that mean, writing in collaboration? What do you physically do? So. I we with that one with the short piece we went in and did just a couple of days workshops with them and he everything comes from them like he might ask a couple of questions or something but the um but it's the I don't know the mood or thought or emotion of whatever the piece is going to be is is totally led by them um so so it can't I can't go in there with ideas really mm. um and then the astronauts was written. There was a, it was a long kind of workshop process. I would go in once a week, and we would just talk. And yeah. They would play games, and they would make me play games. Just always, you know, it's a horrible idea. And, um, <laughs> like ball games, yeah, like Foursquare. I can't play Foursquare. Oh my god. 
I bur- once burst into tears. Mate, you want to try working with Frantic Assembly. I mean, no. A lot of my last few I years has been <laughs> coming up with ways to hide behind my computer. Yeah, yeah. Pretend I've got to do yeah. rewrites while they're doing yeah. the most ferocious form of Foursquare I've ever fucking it's seen. terrifying. <laughs> just, I just kept turning up late. just looked really yeah, rude. Exactly. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So we did that and actually really quickly... Because it would be after school, it would be sort of before... No, it would be after, like, tea time, I suppose, for them. They would come and be a couple of hours and they just talked about home a lot and, like, what home was. Right. And um, for some people that was, you know, a sort of... a kind of... uh, a house or a flat and they yeah. had their own bedroom and they yeah. did their homework in their bedroom and for some people that was oh, I share with my four brothers and I do my homework in the shower because that's the only place I can get any space yeah. and um, and I don't know if it felt political they felt like really political but they were sort of swerving the idea that they were political a, a bit then, right. I think and so yeah I would write and then bring it in and they would sort of test it and quite often they were like I don't really know what this is or and that play had lots of speeches yeah like Margaret uh, Margaret Thatcher's speech and yeah. Boris Johnson's speech and yeah. sort of and I think they were but they were well, they were brilliant and the they tr- they're like a he treats them like a proper theatre company they're they're really yeah. they take it really seriously and as and the artist in you the writer in you do you enjoy that type of collaboration or the stimulus of other people's thoughts I do yeah I do I find it hard and yeah. it's different it's definitely in a different kind of it's a different box to yeah. the stuff we need different me. boxes though don't we to definitely. keep that that central box yeah. going otherwise yeah. it dries up yeah. is that what you get from Rashdash as well yeah I mean Rashdash are brilliant okay, uh, I again we we I don't know how we came to work together actually I have no idea but we did mm-hmm. and um again I went up to Leeds for two weeks and hadn't done anything like that before was really scared they were going to ask me to dance or something and um <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and they didn't and it was great and mm-hmm. we have a, we figured out quite quickly that the way we would work together would be we'd all talk we'd come up with like character or a feeling or something then they would choreograph for an hour and I would just write in response to what they would do oh wow then they would learn the text and then they would attach it to the movement and I would beautiful. say yeah like that bit where your you know hand goes up that's really technical beautiful. dance language that I learned <laughs> yeah uh, that's where you say this line or this line and it was really I mean it felt like it was really brilliant. It was such an exciting moment to feel like you'd written some, made something bigger. And the response to the show... Have you made more than one show with them? or just No, just the one, yeah. Because the response to that show, mm. We Want You To Watch, yeah. which was a kind of skewering... I missed it to my... It's one of the shows that I miss that I most regret. <laughs> the... Uh, uh, a, a skewering of the culture of pornography. Yeah. The response was hostile in my memory. Is that yeah. accurate? Or? Yeah, yeah, really hostile. Um, it was um, really hard. We made the show quite quickly. Uh, we. It was weird being, making the show at the National, I think. That mm-hmm. kind of show that felt like, and for all of us, was the biggest thing we'd done. Um, and. I had a tiny, tiny baby when I was writing a sh- I had him in the room with me mm. uh, and was sort of, you know, trying to feed him in a room and keep up a conversation about violent pornography uh, and, like, sort of try, you know, desperately try and be like, yeah, I'm totally fine, but also be like, like I wasn't. And it was... Right. So there's, there's oh. sort of a lot around that that's quite difficult that I sort of I, uh, so there's so much going on that I, I sort of haven't really been able to unpack it but yeah. the reviews were really vicious but there's some of the audience responses were really fascinating I mean and it was it was a really really interesting show to make mm. and I love working with them yeah. I would love to work with them again sort of yeah the um, it feels like I mean, I remember knowing A Many Moons and Little Light and then coming across Revolt, she said Revolt again. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like we 
coming, coming. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The kind of, I, it's an extraordinary play, and the, but the rage and energy, which is structural as much as it's linguistic, yeah. but is definitely linguistic. I remember talking to you in a cafe in Hoxton. Nice, yeah. About, uh, it was a Thai cafe. We had Thai food. I oh, think. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was really good. It was really, really nice, nice food. food yeah. But you're, uh, uh, you, you were a young mother. Your baby was then a little bit older. I think I might be getting this all wrong. The chronology might be wrong because memory's unreliable. But I'm interested in the anger that sits under that play. Is it driven by anger or is yeah. that just a male reading of it? No, it's totally driven by anger. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what was that anger about? So I wrote that before before having a baby. Right, um, okay, cool. I... Uh, I so the commission came from the RSC and yeah. it was one of those kind of I had no idea how they knew who I was or what like it was a total shock um, to get it and they uh, commissioned four of us and we the, it was to respond to the provocation well-behaved women seldom make history right and we had this day they put on this day for us in London where we were, we went and listened to some speakers this ex- incredible academic called Nina Power came and spoke to us and then Astrid Prohl from the Bader-Meinhof gang came cool <laughs> and Susie Orbach it was the weirdest day wow ever and um really strange it was just really stri- really really strange day and um I sort of left feeling a bit confused and a bit um unclear about what they wanted and why they'd and and that provocation just pissed me off well-behaved women seldom make history. I thought, oh, and what? I don't, I don't. It just annoyed me. Mm-hmm. I just felt quite angry. And I read, I went to Waterstones, looked at the, you know, the kind of gender section or whatever, which is a wall of pink. And then there was this little black volume in it called The Scum Manifesto by Valerie Solanus, which stands for the Society um, of, Against cut, Cutting Up Men or something like mm. that, I can't remember. It's so full of rage. She was written. It was written in the. Well, I'm gonna get it all wrong. I don't know when it was written. Fifties. Mm-hmm. She shot Andy Warhol. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's violence and it's, rage. Sort of fascinated me. Next mm-hmm. to these other kind of very intelligent, thoughtful pieces of work by women now mm-hmm. about what to do about the patriarchy mm-hmm. and, uh, and sometimes feminism, sort of seems to be something that feels like it's. You know, as with everything, it's become so part of the capitalist system that it's about a kind of individual version of feminism. Like, what, what about my choice? What's good for me and my choice? And this book that was really horrible. I mean, she calls men walking abortions. It's it's really violent. It's really angry. It's really upsetting. Mm. But the idea of writing a manifesto and the idea of writing something really angry Mm. seemed interesting. Mm Sort of something that was kind of political and further and suggested going much further than I would ever, as you know, me mm. um, want to go. But there's something about the kind of necessity of that, the necessity for those voices sometimes yeah. felt interesting. So I liked the <coughs> idea of writing a manifesto. And I think, I mean, the thing that I'm always interested in, the thing that sort of slows me down as a writer, I think I'm quite a quick writer, but the thing that slows me down is my interest in language and as being as specific and as exact yeah. and precise as possible yes and feeling constantly frustrated because i can't be because language is a man-made structure and therefore the thought in my head is really br- the thought from my next play in my head is really brilliant and perfect and whole and great and if i could translate that to page as it is it would be great but as soon as i put a word on the page something is something is lost when you say man-made, you're talking that's that's very gender specific. Yeah, yeah, male made, yeah, 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 not yeah, yeah it's yeah. not a generalised term no, for humans. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Male made language, yeah. That's really fucking brilliant observation. I don't know how to push forward with it apart from just go, fuck. Well that's all, it, <laughs> that's all we can do. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, because it's uh, So how did that inform the making of revolt? How did that frustration, that articulation of the the male nature of language articulate itself in that play? I mean, I think it's about language. I think it's a play that's really about language in lots yeah. of ways. I think that the first scene is a, is a sex scene and it's, a, it's probably between a man and a woman, though mm. I don't specify. Um, and uh, it starts with all the, you know, him talking about all the things he wants to do to her because that's just how 
language yeah. like yeah. language of sex is constructed yeah. it's just at least in, I don't speak any other languages maybe there's a really perfect brilliant language out there that I don't know but mm-hmm. um, and and then it became about her switching that and her mm. sort of inventing a new sexual language mm-hmm. um, in order to make him feel just for a moment how women have felt forever but mm. we've normalised it because because it's everywhere yeah uh, and then, I don't know, I wrote it really, really quickly. I wrote it really quickly. I didn't sleep. Um, and, and, yeah, I wrote it in about three days. And I did. I was just really angry. It's quite easy, it's quite easy to get really angry. As a, as if, you're, if you're thinking about being a woman in the world and you're thinking about your own situation, but also I'm an incredibly privileged woman. So you start thinking a little bit bigger mm. and it's, you just get angry quite quickly. I feel yeah. like I get sadder more quickly now as a mother and as I'm getting older I feel like my response is to get sadder but I feel like I used to get my initial response was like rage (laughs) (laughs) that was quite helpful I think there was a lot of that a lot there it's a real energy it's a compelling energy it's compelling in that play but in other plays in all plays I think Mm -hmm. you know there's an element of rage in all writing yeah I think yeah maybe it's because of that frustration and I love that frustration being gendered but there's something about the frustration of the impossibility of communicating thought into language, yes. into performance, yes. that lends itself to a kind of energy. Yeah, definitely. But the notion that that's gendered is really remarkable and exciting. Yeah, yes. Um, I'm fascinated by uh, your process because you talk about writing that play in three days. Mm-hmm. Is that a common for you? Is the writing moment? Is it? Is it? Or often? Quick. Kind of quick and. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. Do you yeah. have a process that you identify? No, I'd love to say I don't. Yeah, I thought, but keep waiting for it to be more grown up. <laughs> but it's not coming. It's not happening. I write at night mostly. Do you? Yeah, and I always that, have done. And, and I've forgotten the name of your. That's right. It's called Arthur. Arthur. Oh. Arthur Birch. How old's Arthur yeah. now? He's two and Jesus. a bit. Yeah. How's he getting on? Yeah, he's all right. He's really funny. It's <laughs> just like a relief. Can it? he kind of do jokes? Yeah, he does voices. Oh, it's got a really on. serious voice. It's really funny. <laughs> he does impressions of us all the time. <laughs> yeah, he's really, he's really, yeah, he's funny. He's going to so be funny. Can you tell me about like a typical writing day? Yeah, so he goes to a, like a childminder three days a week, mm. um, and I, yeah, I sort of agonise a lot of that time, and I think. I'm, I try to think about the work and then I end up thinking about his tea or like tidying up or something. I write at home. Right. Um, Are you sitting on a... Kitchen table. Agonising at the kitchen table? Are you yeah. walking around kind of like loading the dishwasher or washing up or... A bit of both. Uh, yeah. Ag- yeah. Yeah. And sort of think, okay, well, if I go and do this, if I walk to the shops and get the stuff for tea, then by the time I come back, I'll be ready to... Yeah. I've done a job. Yeah. It doesn't happen. He has... I think that's the thing. I'm very like all or nothing about lots of things in my life, and yeah. definitely was that way about my writing without realizing the um, how lucky that I was. And um, uh, yeah, and motherhood—it's the sort of having your brain o- occupied by someone. And then, so when he's asleep and everyone's asleep and I don't have to cook anything or yeah. like, think about anything, then there's kind of like a stretch of time. Mm-hmm. But I know it's like ending soon, so I, or I need to sleep soon or something, so I think that kind of like need to do it quickly. Yeah. I think that sort of all ha- helps. And your, your partner yeah. is Sam Pritchard, who's Two, Associate yeah. Director of the International Department here and yeah, directed yeah. work here at the Royal Court. He's yeah, increasingly kind of prominent theatre director. Is that a useful thing for your art, to be living with a, another theatre artist? It is because it's because it's because it's hit me. It's extraordinarily generous and yeah. kind. Like you wouldn't know. I, and maybe he, maybe I'll just tell him not to listen to this. <laughs> you wouldn't. I don't think you'd know if you came round and you didn't know us that he was working in theatre, because because he allows me all the space. Like it's all, like we. Are, I need to talk through an idea, and I need to talk through an idea now. So please, can I have your attention now? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Great. <laughs> it's like it's so, and he um, he's but he's he's been um, a huge influence. So yeah. It's um, 
Yeah, I mean, having someone to... to and he yeah. reads everything first, and he... he and he makes good work as well. He makes really That must be a work. relief. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what would you that do would if it was shit? Be over, wouldn't it? No, <laughs> no come on. No, but, yeah, I'd, yeah. Well, if you start thinking it's shit, then there's, there's probably problems anyway, isn't there? Cause yeah, you, but, you yeah. know, he, do, he, he does. He's very brilliant. Very lucky. The, um, yeah. And writing at night... Mm. I love the the image that you create of the household when Arthur's gone to sleep, yeah. Sam's gone to sleep. Yeah. It's you in the house on your own. Yeah. Does that do you, can you feel yourself like getting into an energy of writing that's informed by the house at night or yeah. is, uh, that's a Yeah. Gone. Go yeah, no no, I think it well yeah, it's um I don't know it's just different, isn't it? It's sort of this. We live in a fl in a flat on quite a busy road, right opposite a park. Mm. It's um, it's sort of really good because every ten minutes there's a bus going by, right. so that's sort of helpful. Or and yeah. so there's enough noise, or there's like a yeah. fight or something. I don't know. And it's um, uh, it's yeah, it's just I don't know. I've always written at night. It's it kind of exhausted the stuff in the day that you need to do or yeah. feel that you need to do it yeah. it's just easy and it's easy. I think you can sort of get away with more stuff that might feel a bit cheesy or I don't know when, you're, when your contact with another human is closer maybe you don't allow yourself do you know does that yeah, make any sense yeah it makes sense? a lot yeah you dare know. yourself to write something yeah. riskier because there's nobody else around to look yeah. at it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's going to come and sneak as if the whole world yeah. is waiting to look yeah. look at the next line yeah yeah, yeah. Tell me about uh, the work with Katie as opposed to the lunch with Katie. It's three <laughs> shows now, right? I didn't it see is, the Yellenek. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I wish I had because I love Yellenek. Yes, you've done the Yellenek. Well, I did a response Today. to Yellenek. I did a response to a Yellenek play that I'd yeah. not read. Oh, <laughs> which <bold>. is <laughs> or or stupid. No, but, no, yeah. let's go bold. bold. Uh, but tell me first about Ophelia Zimmer. It was um, the first play ever in the history of the Royal Court where the yeah. director's name was in lights outside the theatre. As Wasn't it? Is this right? I don't think so. I think it was just Ophelia Zimmer. Oh, there was no, no writer's no name. Writer's that was name. what they did. They yeah. removed the writer's name. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the first time that's happened here. Really? I oh. think so. Let's think say so. it is because that's cool. Huh? Let's say it is because yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool, yeah. yeah. Um, it's you and Chloe Lamford and Katie. It was, yeah. Yeah. Um, it... Well, I just got an email from Katie completely out of the blue saying, um, I'm doing this thing. It's co-production with the Shelburne and the Royal mm. Court. It's deconstruction of Hamlet from Ophelia's point of view. Would you like to do it? <laughs> nah, not really. <laughs> I think I cried. I think I cried. And then I think I called like my mum, Sam and my agent. I just cried at all of them. I hadn't even... Um, so I was heavily pregnant... And she was like, would you like to meet next week? And I really remember sort of agonising over composing the email to Katie Mitchell um, to say, well, I'm due to have a baby at the end of that week, so could we meet a little bit earlier? <laughs> I think she'd, like, suggested being on my due date or something. Anyway, uh, so we did, and I uh, met her, and I couldn't... I really... I couldn't really speak. I remember not really being able to speak. Um, but she had had the idea that we would be in Ophelia's room... And Chloe had designed it already, and she needed some text, and that was sort of the offer. And so we worked together for three weeks in the UK, and then three weeks in Berlin. After Arthur was born, clearly. After Arthur was born, yeah. yeah. He was about um, six months, I think. Yeah, he came to Berlin with, with me. Gosh, those first few months of his life were incredibly Fucking busy. busy, yeah. <laughs> he was really out yeah. and about. Yeah. yeah. The, and what did you... Uh, uh, and then, and then the 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 Yellenek. Yes. That's what were you doing on that show? So slightly different. It was kind of more writing a film script because it was a video show, and right. it was uh, Katie um, sort of working with a DOP, Chloe Thompson, um, and again, so you sort of feel, and I don't mean I mean this in a good way, but that was the primary relationship. Yeah. between the director and the DOP. Yeah, great. It's all about, you know, like how to yeah. frame those shots. And then it was, I was sort of there more to sort of work out the dramaturgy or the... Yeah. 
It's um, a lovely Richard Bean phrase, which is sometimes the writers are there to just put the shelves up. Yeah, it was like that. <laughs> which is great. Which it's is when that's the, when you know that's the job, you just go and do the job. It's really nice. It's yeah. really sort of fascinating mm. and kind of, yeah. So that that was last year. Yeah. And then um, yeah. And, and it's an important relationship, yours and Katie. Mm-hmm. And anatomy. Did were you writing for Katie with anatomy? Tell me about the starting point of anatomy of suicide. So that was the first play that I'd written, the first play that I'd written, you know, that wasn't a collaboration or wasn't um, something else that, um, since having Arthur. Um, and no, I didn't, it was, I think I can say this, it was initially a commission for Payne's Plough and Watford. Right. And. They were great when they read it. They just sort of said, "Well, we we can't do this. This is too big. You should send it somewhere else." Um, because of this number of actors. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. think they felt like, because it was because it's three plays at the same time, that it, yeah. it would, you know, how they saw it, they were like, "We would need three sets, and you know, sort of, but just bigger yeah. than we can do." Yeah. Um, so, no, I wrote, and again, I wrote it at night. I wrote it in about four weeks. I had been thinking about obviously you know sort of thinking about motherhood but also interested in sort of suicide and um and depression and um and trying to find a form that could hold that in a new way mm-hmm. and so I'd, I'd sort of had this idea to, to write it a bit like a round mm-hmm. uh so the first scene is just in the 70s in a hospital yeah. and then the second scene her daughter is in a hospital and she's uh, cooking, and then the third scene, the granddaughter is in hospital. The daughter is cooking heroin, and she's at a party. And so it sort of works like that until it That's drops out. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'd not thought of that play as a musical round before. Mm, yeah, that's nice. That's all pleasing that it's not obvious, I suppose. It's, it's really gorgeous, but it's in the metabolism of the yeah. play, but without being legible. Yeah, good. That's good. Good. Um, oh, you're good, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, and I mean, obviously, again, I you know that play wears its influences really clearly. This sort of plus Sexton Wolf all over it, mm. and there's Katie all over it, mm-hmm. not consciously, but mm-hmm. certainly it's because she's returned to suicide as mm-hmm. a. You know, yeah. not just Ophelia Zimmer. You know, cleansed, cleansed. The the return to Kurtz's yeah. request program. Yeah, and four forty eight. And four forty eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which she finished rehearsals and then and then began on anatomy. Four forty eight. Um, so she happened. She just we happened to be emailing about something else, and she said, "Have you written anything that I could take a look at?" Mm. And I thought, "Oh well, I've just finished this piece, and it's about this." She's like, "Can I read it?" And then. About two days later, it was really quick. For, and um, but she emailed and said, "Look, I'd love to do it," mm. which was like, "Well, yeah, that's a bit of a dream." So, and then sent it to Vicky, and she said that Royal Court would love to do it, and yeah, was a bit of a dream, <laughs> but but like tough, you know, really tough material to be around for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. How was the rehearsal and the and, you know the life of the play for you? I mean, fasc- fascinating. The rehearsal was. I mean, she so a composer composed a score of it. Yeah. They worked with a click track. Actors never. Who's the composer? Paul Clark. Yeah. From Claude Ensemble. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, they um, never rehearsed one scene at a time. It was always always the three at the same time. If right. there were three, so yeah. that. They learnt it, like bits of it where the text is very dense across all three strands, they learnt it like a piece of music. Which seems very different to Katie's ordinary, normal approach, which is so normally kind of about the backstory and the world outside. I mean, that was all done, but it had to be done before we started. Right. So day one, or no, the first week, day she delivered everyone their bio. It's based on, you know, those that famous... Yeah. Like, 500 questions you yeah, get yeah, yeah. 
um, which obviously because I knew Katie and that that's really well known now but there's still something about getting that about people that you've invented in the middle of the night yeah that's really sort of sh- like it's a shock I it's remember when it happened on Wastwater yeah <laughs> it's a great story <laughs> is that the thing with the coffee where you I think I think I got these questions and I started off answering them diligently. Yeah. I can't remember a coffee detail. There may well have been a coffee detail. But I remember thinking halfway through, this is just, I, I don't yeah. believe this about performance. Yeah. I just worked with Ramin and right. I was excited by yeah. the fact that things can happen in the present tense in the rehearsal room that were yeah. more important than backstory or whatever. Yeah. So I just started kind of taking the piss out of the questions yeah. a bit. And just kind of like was joke. I just thought it'd be between me and her. Right. And then, I, and you know, it was just back. writing kind of like silly answers. Yeah. And then we rocked up to the first day of rehearsal. And there was these documents, these kind of, rather than reading the play. Yeah. Which is the convention. Read the yeah. We read the documents. Yeah, which were based on me just writing joke answers to her questions. I remember going for a piss with Paul Reddy and saying, mate, I was just kind of joking. <laughs> But her her production was exquisite. Absolutely. You know, it was really I love extraordinary. Her production. I love so, that. So so you know, I uh, I managed to get away with get yeah. away with it, and, and I've I've loved amazing. working with her subsequently and yeah. embraced that rigor. Yes. Much yes. more. I yeah. But tell I, me, sorry, go back to uh, anatomy rehearsals and that no, well, musicality is fascinating. Yeah, I mean that sort of happened on in the second week. So they were, but we were kind of teching it straight away. They were up on their feet and they were. Wow doing it and it was um, I think just necessary to take because there was a point in the last week where they were all like we can't do this this is not going to happen right. They were, and she kind of holds holds them so carefully yeah. and she's and with and she was so sort of you will it's going to be fine it's okay and her process I mean it it really works she does yeah. all those th- I mean they yeah. and so th- yeah that, that backstory and the all the events between scenes and stuff that we'd gone through in the first week was was totally essential. It was really, I mean, a huge, huge amount of work went, so went into it. The moment uh, where the father, whose name I forget, the character's name I forget, John. is talking to his... Yeah, Paul Hilton's character. Yeah, yeah Paul John, character. yeah. Yeah. He's talking to his child. Mm-hmm. I saw that the week after the attack on the Ariana Grande concert mm-hmm. in Manchester. Yeah. I've never cried more hard at a theatre mm. than watching that speech in this country at that time. Mm-hmm. The excavation of the humanity of parenting mm-hmm. when our children are so vulnerable to murder yeah. felt unbearable and beautiful. Mm. Thank you. It's all right, Mum. It's really special. <laughs> you still reading? I, I, I was about to lie, I was about to say, yeah, no, I'm not. There's, I read things that I'm sent. I get sent stuff for, like, you know, for film and TV stuff. Mm. And I read that. Mm. And I read for work. Mm. I have not read for pleasure in a really long time. Yeah, it's really hard, um, isn't it? I really miss it. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you get it back. Yeah, I, yeah. I shall try to. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, it's really brilliant speaking to you. Thanks for having me. And I suppose, thank you very much indeed. So we have a thing now where we don't stop recording. This is new for season two. But what we do is producer Anushka has bonus questions. Uh, footnotes are, um, yeah, SCUM, I looked it up and it does stand for the Society for Cutting Up Men. And yeah, it's not a real organisation, even though some big places think it was. And she did shoot Warhol. Yeah, she, she shot Warhol, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then, she isn't kind, is it? She's not kind, but I think, she was, I think she was not well. Right, yeah, fair enough. Second footnote. <laughs> I so looked get... into the, my memory <laughs> and tried to remember if there was another time when a writer didn't have the name Neon, and I couldn't really go back that far. Cause, mm. But I did know that when Rusa Velvis was on, it said the team rather than yeah, the good. human's name. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, Very good. Oh, and yeah. This question, uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening will be absolutely desperate to know because I don't have a clue what you're on about. What are the rules of Foursquare? Just what is it? Yeah. It's a a warm-up game that is used a lot in rehearsal rooms nowadays that writers fucking hate unless they're weird. Yeah. It's a physical warm-up game which is used to galvanise teamwork. Mm -hmm. The rules are you tape a square onto the... with tape 
you mark out a square on the floor of the rehearsal room yeah. and you divide that square into four squares. Right. Yeah? Four you square. divide the cast mm -hmm. into four teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah? And you rope the writer in if you're a prick. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well and it's like a cross between volleyball and tennis. There's no net. But um, there's one team who have they they you the objective is you've got to move to the top square. And if you're oh, in the yeah. top square, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're in the top square, you serve. Yeah. And what you've got to do is you've got to bounce the ball into another square uh, without the people protecting that square being able to return it back into another square. Yeah. So you like like with tennis, you've got to serve. You serve it into a square. Uh, and then the other team has to return it like in tennis. Or table tennis. Or table that tennis. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and um, the and and it being a game, you can get you can be out, and you and you're kind of effectively out if you fail to return it. If you return it without it bouncing in your square, if when you return it, it doesn't go into another person's square. Uh, I think w sometimes you can play it where it's, you've got to, it's got to get uh, the other person in your team, both members of the team have to touch it. This is yeah. awful. And yep. if you're out, <laughs> if, you're, if you're not out, then, uh, then you keep in the service square. Mm -hmm. And if you're out, then you go back to the bottom and you keep moving on. Do you know what? This is awful. I don't know why someone would do this. But also, if you want to get people being physical, just get like a little table tennis thing and make the actors do that for This is absolutely bonkers. Well, it's a bit yeah. more, it's a bit yeah. more expensive. Quite getting an extreme reaction. It is quite an extreme reaction. It's I like quite, it though. I'm, it's quite, I'm with you. It's, it's quite it's an expensive thing to get a table tennis table. <laughs> and you lot all have lots of gaffer tape. Yeah. So true. you make a four square. This yeah. is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Royal Court Theatre Playwrights Podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe at royalcourttheatre.com or iTunes to get the next episode. You can purchase many of the plays discussed at royalcourttheatre.com forward slash shop or come into the shop at the theatre. Come to the theatre. Come and see the plays. We're at Sloan Square. Come along. Come and see everything. The Playwrights Podcast is brought to you by the Royal Court Theatre. It's presented by me, Simon Stevens, and produced by the remarkable Anushka Warden and Emily Legg.